Hello and welcome to the Embodied and Empowered Podcast. Here we dive in and peel back what it is that's disconnected us from truly finding joy in our lives and breaking our codependency on perfection and overachievement so we can finally fully feel empowered and truly experience authentic success. I am your host, Melanie Tingey. Hello and welcome back to the Embodied and Empowered podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Tingey. I'm so glad you're here. We've officially entered the holiday season. Thanksgiving is just about three weeks away. People are putting up all of the holiday decor. I don't know if you've seen your Instagram and social feeds, but it's like the thing now to get all the holiday the post Thanksgiving holiday decor up like now, literally the day after things or ha- Halloween, right? Not Thanksgiving. So if you're one of those people, more power to you. I'm definitely more of that stickler of until Thanksgiving and after Thanksgiving, it's just Thanksgiving. I might be the unpopular opinion and I'm okay with that. But in all seriousness, let's kind of come back to it. Last week, if you tuned in and listened, you know we're talking about procrastination. So this is our three-part mini-series, right? So last week, we outlined the five ways or the five symptoms of procrastination and the way it shows up in your life, right? Delaying, avoiding, excusing, poor time management, and guilt and shame. So today, we're actually going to take these five symptoms... We're going to pull back the covers on what is underneath because treating the symptoms only temporarily eases discomfort, right? We're not here to treat symptoms. We want to heal and repair the underlying and root causes for the symptoms. So let's get into it, shall we? So with the first, remember, it's delaying the task. This comes from a fear of failure and very closely related or connected to that is perfectionism. Okay, so let's start with fear of failure. It's a fear that you're not going to meet your own expectations or the expectations that others might have for you or of you. And anything less than amazing is just unacceptable, right? Cannot do it. This has been for me one of the primary beliefs, a fear of failure that keeps has kept me in the past from starting or finishing a lot of things, not everything by any means. Another aspect that can play into that fear of failure is a low self-esteem. So self-esteem is a component of self-image. So self-image, think of that like a mental and emotional portrait of you something that you create about yourself. And it's it's capturing your thoughts, feelings, beliefs about appearance, abilities, all of those types of things. So it's all of the thoughts and feelings and beliefs about every aspect of you. Self-esteem really kind of goes deeper and focuses more on the feelings of self-worth and self-value. And it's the judgments supportive or not supportive judgments that you make about your worthiness and your significance, how much you value yourself. When you have self-esteem that's low, 
You may worry that others will finally figure you out. Shoot, they, they, they see me now. They figured me out. They're gonna, they see all my shortfalls, all of my inadequacies. They know I'm not perfect anymore. And failing is a confirmation to your brain of your low self-esteem. So procrastinating is the subconscious way that, or the way that your subconscious tries to manifest the proof your brain is looking for to reinforce the low self-esteem. Okay, so fear of failure, low self-esteem really plays into that and expectations. Now, perfectionism, right? Because these are very closely related. This is also me so often throughout my life and even still in some instances today. It's an all or nothing mentality. And if this resonates with you, and I think it does, you see this a lot in your life. I have to do it like the best or I'm not going to do it at all. Are you the person who doesn't play or participate in certain activities because you already know you can't do it super well? So why even play? Why put yourself in a position to be embarrassed? All or nothing. I'm not even going to do it if I can't do it better than everybody else. That's totally me. I was the worst when I was younger. I remember my, my siblings and my parents hating playing games with me. I mean, it's even a joke to these days because I would throw the biggest fit if I didn't win. But I was young. I was a kid. I didn't know how to play yet. But dang, if I didn't win, literally the world ended. So this type of thinking is often tied back to how you received positive attention throughout your life, especially when you were younger. High performance and achievements may have gotten you all of the positive attention while Anything other than that excellent performance may have either gotten you negative attention or maybe no attention at all. And as humans, we kind of prefer the positive reinforcement, that positive attention. So we integrate and internalize what gets us positive attention. Then we project that requirement forward, right? So that all or nothing mentality. For many of us, we've also learned to rely on external validation and external praise from others. And we didn't have the ability or get the guidance necessarily to learn and strengthen the skill of you know, sovereignty and internal validation, self-validation. And that can lead to perfectionist mentalities as well. When you struggle with perfectionist tendencies, it can often, it's often the case that you also tie your worth and your value to your output, what it is that you do, right? A belief that your value is directly proportionate to the value of what you're doing or creating. So if it can't be amazing, that must mean you're not amazing. So I just don't even want to deal with that reality. So I'm just not even going to, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to delay it because we don't want to feel that discomfort of, of our brain telling us that our value is not what we thought it was. Even though that's not a true belief, that's not reality. It's a story that we tell ourselves. And this takes us to symptom two. 
avoidance. Now remember, delaying and avoidance, what's our significant differentiator? Avoidance is intentionally doing something other than what it is you need to do, the thing you're procrastinating. So here are some of the underlying causes that feed into that avoidance. One of those being low efficacy. So I had a manager in college tell me that, or teach me that people don't do things for really one of three reasons. One, they didn't know they were supposed to. So just complete naivete, right? Number two, they don't know how, and they are embarrassed to say they don't know how, so they don't ask for help. Or number three, they freaking just don't want to. The first one doesn't really apply here, right? Because we're talking about procrastination, which means you know that you're supposed to do it. But number two and three on that totally do. They play directly into avoidance. Don't want to, don't know how, which if you don't know how, you might also have a belief that you don't have the skills or resources to figure it out. So if there's that underlying belief that you don't have what it takes to figure it out, then you're not going to ask for the help and you will avoid doing the task. Then you also have short-term versus long-term thinking. Again, right? We're talking about avoidance. And we live in a society which the speed of technology and information is amazing. And it's also trained us to be so dependent on really fast answers. And so we're accustomed to getting what we want within seconds, or at least in a very short amount of time. I mean, you've got Netflix on demand, Hulu on demand, everything is just at your fingertips. And that immediate gratification can create an avoidance of things that we think or might actually take more effort to get done. They're not immediate. They take time and consistency and dedication to it. So we avoid it. And a third part of avoidance is that lack of intrinsic motivation. This is that dependency, again, on external motivation for reward. So we, we're very dependent on something outside of us to create an enticing scenario that we then become motivated to get the enticing outcome so we complete the task. But if we don't have an external enticing something to motivate us, we're not going to do it. So we haven't learned how to be self-motivated. Or put another way, we haven't learned that motivation is fake. Motivation is fleeting. And so when we're dependent on feeling motivated, we're not going to do things when we don't feel motivated. And that leads to procrastination. Now, our third symptom, making excuses. Every human I have ever met, and if you've not met somebody like this and and that they're the opposite, please introduce me because I would love to meet them. Every human I've met is amazing at excuses. It's literally inherent in who we are. We start making excuses when we're little, when we're children. So here, I'm going to list out some of the things that contribute to a default or a desire to excuse why we have not completed or done something. One of those is external locus of control. If you frequently blame circumstances or other people for why something is not getting done, 
That's an external locus of control. Essentially, you're saying the results are because of factors outside of you. Let's let's go back to, to school, be that college or high school, whatever that is, a professor or a teacher, they just don't like me. Your manager, your manager has it out for you. They purposefully don't give you enough time on assignments because they are determined to see you fail. Everything's everyone else's fault. And it's a belief that your circumstances are because of what has happened to you rather than what you've created. Whereas an internal locus of control is truly taking full responsibility for every aspect of your life. You respond, you don't react, you create rather than being acted upon. Your results are a direct result of your creation, your energy, your involvement, or lack thereof. You see the world, or excuse me, if you see the world as your enemy, rather than your oyster, you may find that you have a more external locus of control and you may be making more excuses that are creating those results. An additional component of making excuses or why that is a default part of procrastination is a fear of accountability and avoiding discomfort. Excuses, they're a defense mechanism and we use them to avoid facing the discomfort of criticism, the possibility of disappointing others, embarrassment, and accountability for you might be really uncomfortable due to experiences that you've had in your life that, I mean, were really challenging and maybe even traumatic. The emotions, and this is where it's really important, right? You're facing a situation and the emotions that come up for you when you're presented with criticism or the possibility of criticism, disappointment, or embarrassment are so painful, whether conscious or unconscious, that we avoid the possibility of having to take responsibility. So we just make the excuse, right? If I make the excuse, if I blame something that's not me, I don't have to feel the depth of that pain or or re-encounter maybe the trauma that your body remembers from the past. Because a lot of the time, it's, it's not always conscious. We're just having these, these experiences or these responses or reactions as a reaction. It's, it's something we've become accustomed to as a response that our body is creating as a protection mechanism. So if this is happening for you and you're finding excuses, maybe from a, that fear of accountability or it's that external locus of control, it's, let's get curious about it. And symptom four, poor time management. So what really are some of the biggest contributors to poor time management? And this is something that is very broad and it can have a lot of, of reasons. And there are situations or circumstances that really might require that you see a professional when it comes to poor time management, I'll, I'll, you know, ADD, ADHD, that's not something that I don't treat. I'm not a, a doctor or anything like that. So poor time management, we're going to talk about some of the pieces that can contribute that aren't necessarily required to go see a professional. And there might be situations or circumstances that you are experiencing or struggling with that may actually require you to go see a professional. So I want to disclaim that and, and give you that encouragement if 
poor time management is something that you have chronically struggled with and maybe isn't related to what we're going to go over as a contributor or underlying reason for that. So there are what I see unrelated to kind of medical, mental uh, structures that require professionals, three things that really play into poor time management, indecisiveness, overcommitment, and just the pure inability to be able to prioritize. Indecisiveness can really stem from anxiety. If you've struggled with a lot of anxiety throughout your life, it can be debilitating. And when you are wrapped up in the middle of it, making decisions feels impossible. And you do the best that you can. What you can do is make a choice that seems like it's the lowest barrier of entry. And that's not always the most important thing to get done, but it's the only thing you feel like you can do when you're in the middle of that anxiety. It can also, indecisiveness can also result from information overload, which can, re, it can be related, right? Information overload can be related to anxiety. Not always though. I'm going to give you an example of how it's not necessarily an anxiety situation. If you are someone who needs lots of information, you can find yourself in analysis paralysis and not actually being able to make a decision or take action. You might have been drilled as a kid or in younger years to know all of the things about a particular subject or project. Maybe you were punished if you didn't have all the answers. So you may find that To compensate as an adult, you spend so much time researching and resourcing all of the information, get all the information that you can, which then reduces the actual amount of time that you have to do. So the, the overloading of information can slow you down. So if you are finding that you need way more information than might actually be required to complete the task, it could be a reason to at least get curious of where this is stemming from. And again, if it is something that goes deeper or needs some additional professional support, there's definitely so much support out there for you. So we've got overcommitment as well, right? So indecisiveness and overcommitment. You might also know this as either people-pleasing or FOMO. Coming back again, we've, we've talked about this particular component. If you've received through lots of your life, especially your younger years, most of your positive attention and validation from external accolades, there may be a high tendency to people please. A frequent outcome of people pleasing is saying yes to too much, putting too much on your plate so you don't have enough time to get it all done. There's also FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And this can stem from, as an example, there's many different ways this could show up or reasons why it shows up for you. But it could be if you were withheld or held back from doing some of the fun things that you wanted to do as a kid. Let's take chores as an example. You could not go out and play with your friends or participate in a particular activity until your chores were done. Kind of like Cinderella, maybe your list of chores were like super long And because of that, maybe you didn't actually get to participate very often in the things you considered fun. And so now, today, there's a deep-seated fear of missing out as an adult, so you overcommit and say yes to everything. 
and you literally don't have the time to do everything. You are one person. And then you have the inability, just the simple inability to prioritize. And this really kind of comes from the extremes growing up. It was the extreme, overly structured environments. You had every decision chosen for you. All you needed to do was show up and do what was outlined. So you're really good at having somebody give you a to-do list. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, it was incredibly unstructured. Didn't really have much to do. Either way, you weren't taught how to develop and structure the order to determine what is actually the most important thing versus what's kind of just noise or mundane tasks. So you end up misprioritizing or misaligning your time and not being able to get things done. And this brings us to our fifth symptom, shame or guilt and regret. A lot of the shame and guilt that we experience, at least, and I can speak from personal experience here, comes from unresolved conflicts or unresolved or unprocessed experiences throughout our life. So you may have events in your life that were buried, unattended to, and they're unresolved inside of you. Literal emotion that you haven't processed given certain circumstances and situations. And there can be shame and guilt that builds up, especially the longer you go without addressing them or processing them. This can also often lead to internalizing the responsibility or blaming ourselves for the events or conflicts that have gone unprocessed. That guilt, that shame associated with the unresolved issues can then be projected onto the various goals or the tasks that you're working on. It feeds into that emotion and the beliefs that that don't serve you, enhancing the guilt and the shame, and you end up procrastinating. We end up procrastinating because we're blaming ourselves for the possible outcome of the future. As a human, <laughs> I don't think I've met a human that really enjoys feeling pain or discomfort. So when we create that self-blame and that shame before we've ever actually even accomplished or started working on the thing, the task, we end up just completely going away from it. That shame and guilt perpetuates the procrastination. Now, shame and guilt can also arise because of hyper-strict environments. Okay, hyper-strict. Adolescent or teen years, a lot of this goes back to our developmental years. This is when so much of the internal dialogue is created. So in our adolescent or teen years, these years have really great impact. But these environments, when we're talking about hyper-strict, can also apply throughout our life, not just in our younger years. Especially if we're exposed to these hyper strict environments for a long enough period of time, they can very deeply impact our behavior and our beliefs. So in these hyper strict environments, mistakes, shortfalls, errors, they might be really heavily criticized, maybe punished, leading to unconscious beliefs that errors and mistakes deserve intense guilt. You punish yourself rather than waiting for someone else to do it. If you're going to get punished anyway, rather than just waiting and anticipating it, you just create the pain today, the discomfort through your self-inflicted shame and guilt. So we've talked about a lot, 
Procrastination comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. We've talked about five significant ways that it shows up in our life. And the underlying reasons of why you find yourself procrastinating also come in a lot of shapes and sizes. While the reasons may sound super simple, they can take time. They often do take time and focused work on healing. And as you do that, you're going to find yourself procrastinating less and less. Here's an interesting thing though. It doesn't actually go away. As we grow, we're like onions with lots of layers. Each time you level up, you're going to pull back another layer of yourself. And with each layer, you may find that you're readdressing some of the exact same concerns or underlying issues over and over again. Because now you're, you're resolving and healing a deeper layer, deeper, deeper level of, a, of the same issue because they go deep, not broad. So don't get deterred. Don't let yourself stay in a feeling of, of defeatedness. The joy in the journey is, it comes from experiencing the progress of the healing and the change that happens inside out. And that's the thing. As we're talking about procrastination, if we just treat the symptoms, that's an outside in and change really happens internally. It's all about changing from the inside and letting that move to the outside world. So I invite you to identify the key issues that are contributing to or driving the symptoms of your procrastination. And next week, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss tools and ways that you can begin healing those root causes of your procrastination. So make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified as soon as it drops. And if you have found this episode helpful, please share it and tag me if you're on Instagram. It's at Mel underscore Tingy. I'm going to drop that in the show notes and leave a five-star review. So helpful. Your support helps get the podcast out into the world so that it can help support other successful and high achieving women like you. And if we haven't connected yet on the gram, I'd love to hear your takeaways on this week's episode. Please slide into my DMs and let's chat. Until next week, my friend, stay embodied, stay empowered and always stay true to you.